Hey onesies, Josh Williams here with another bonus episode of the one man podcast for you. Um, this is a great, great honor. Um, cause I was asked about a year or so ago, um, if I'd like early access to a new podcast called genius and I didn't really know anything about it, but they were kind enough to give me, uh, early access to the first three episodes. So I was able to listen to them before they came out. Then once the podcast came out, I, uh, I listened to the whole thing and I really, really enjoyed it. It's a story about, uh, it's a story of reimagining of, uh, of a Sherlock Holmes story, uh, with some new characters added, um, which I really enjoyed. And the production level was super good. Um, today I'm going to be doing an interview with, uh, uh, the creator and writer, Tracy Houston, um, she did a phenomenal job writing it. And then of course, two of the actors, Sarah Marchand, who plays the lead Sabine Moriarty and, uh, Mitchell Cohen, who plays the notorious James Moriarty, um, Sherlock Holmes's rival. Um, it's, it's a really, really good, uh, podcast really well done. I, to the point where I was intimidated, like when I was given the opportunity to interview them, um, I was really like, like shit, this, this, team and this work is really well done. Like the sound, the acting is unbelievable. Everybody is amazing in this thing. And I remember just thinking like, I'm so not the guy for this job to, to, you know, I've done it. And I think the largest interview I've done is with like my two best friends. So it's always me and one other person. Um, but this interview is so like, it's like, I, I do what I can when I do an interview with someone to make sure that, um, you get a feel for who they are. Not so much like, Hey, when I'm talking with the comic, I'm not like, Hey, you know, tell us about your jokes and this and that it's, it's more of like, tell me about the person, right? We can go off and explore their work outside of, you know, the podcast, but, and I like to get to know the people behind the content. That's kind of my thing. And I really feel like we get an opportunity to scratch the surface because we only had two hours together and I, I sort of chatted with, uh, try, I did what I could to, to bounce around and try to bring everyone into the conversation, but we just kind of scratched the surface of, of these three amazing people. And I even say at the end of the podcast, it'd be great to sit down and do a podcast with each and every one of them, you know, to give them that time. Cause we blew through our two hours so quickly. Um, and I, there's so much more I'd love to, to know and get to know of these people. Uh, the talent level, unbelievable, um, from all three of them, again, Tracy, the creator, uh, Sarah and, uh, Mitchell, the, 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 the leads of the podcast. Um, I'm going to hit you again with the link to it. It's genius dash podcast.com. So you can go on there and, and find it. We don't talk a lot about the story in this episode because I assume that a lot of people listening may have not heard of this podcast. And so I didn't want to spoil anything for you. I definitely wanted to be able to, you know, let you guys hear it for yourself. And what I thought would be kind of fun is for you to get to know some of these people. Like I said, uh, the behind the scenes, like get to know the actors, the actors don't sound anything like their characters, which is unbelievable. That's the sign of a good actor, right? You know, it's not like Jack Nicholson or, or Christopher Walken where they always sound like themselves. They can play different characters, but they're really, you know, the range isn't really there. They're always going to just be them in a movie. So I, I really found it impressive. And, uh, and like I said, I was intimidated to just, you know, I'm the guy who talks to his wall for an hour a week. And now here I am, you know, talking to people who've put in so much work and you'll even hear some stories about like the things, the links that they went to, to make sure that this thing could be the best that it was. And then for, you know, again, for me to be the guy who's going to come in and, and, and just interview them and ask the right questions. I so felt like that was not me. Um, a thousand more people, you know, uh, more suitable for the job, but I'm the one who was fortunate enough to do it. And it took us a while to, to coordinate it too. 
Um, it was, it was a year ago that, that the, you know, I listened to the podcast and got to hear all the episodes and, uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that despite, you know, quarantine and everything like that, we were able to coordinate uh, a time where we can get on a zoom, uh, with all of us. We were actually very lucky to get Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Cohen, who plays Jim Moriarty. Uh, he actually initially wasn't available and then we were lucky we got him last minute. So, um, the, the two leads were in, uh, as well as the creator and writer. That was, that was awesome. It was super, super great episode. Um, I talk more about everything kind of leading up to the interview and stuff like that on episode 176 of the one man podcast. Um, cause there's lots of stuff that I can say. And in fact, I will. So, but so for the sake of my audience, not having to go through it twice, um, I hope you guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Like I said, it's with the creator and writer, Tracy Houston, uh, with uh, Sarah Marchand who plays Sabine Moriarty and Mitchell Cohen, who plays James Moriarty. Um, the podcast is called genius. I hope you guys get a chance to, to listen to it. It's fantastic. One last time, genius podcast.com, or you can just look for it genius in whatever podcatcher you're, you're using. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoy the episode and I look forward to having some more for you soon. You've, you've actually heard it. It would require the budget of about, you know, like a serious HBO budget. It takes place in London. There's external shots. If you've ever tried to film anything, it would just be crazy to film it. There's no way. And, and so, I, so, but Rob said, hey, why don't we just do a podcast? And I'm like, well, there are things that happen that will be difficult to kind of convey with just sound and he said and that was one of the things we were very worried about but actually i'm the person who did the sound and uh and when we did some of the more intimate scenes we found that you get a lot of heavy breathing but uh if you do anything that sounds wet oh my god <laughs> oh that's it is you could so just craft dinner on the stove oh, and that yeah, would know, get you some of the uh, it just it just sounds awful so we kind oh, of yeah. do do breathing okay just do heavy breathing yeah breathing I, will be yeah so i Tracy, have started I love that you say oh i was just gonna say i love that she said that was particularly hard for her because i remember she was struggling a lot during those intimate scenes but like i just was having so much fun with it but tracy she would like anytime something sexual come up she would like block her ears she's like i need to leave the room now this is too much that's hilarious <laughs> but like I don't know. I was like, we're just playing. It's fun. So and <laughs> you guys thank you for pushing through, Tracy. <laughs> were you guys all in the same, like, you know, sound booth or whatever when you were recording them? Or did you do? Okay, so you didn't. Do oh, it yeah, there. it was one stuffy. Sorry, it was a little stuffy basement. So it would get really cold and then really, really hot at some point. So you'd have to, like, open the basement door to, like, crack some air open. But then you go back in and get really into it not so. a covid yeah. thing at all like we were <laughs> could not do this because we were all in some this was a jazz musician who had soundproofed his basement uh you know and we thought well we, we could do this but then there's some things that happened very early on in the episode to young sabine that require a lot of yelling and screaming and he said well my neighbors were a little concerned about that <laughs> and we, we've got it we don't need any more so you know 
Well, it's it's yeah. great. I want to give you guys a heads up. I started recording about a minute and a half ago. Just kind of cool sure. little transition in, so we're we're good to go. I won't do your intros. I'll do all that as a separate recording later. Cool. That'll be fun. But I I was lucky enough that I got to. I didn't know what the uh, the story of Genius was. I just got offered very very kindly by you guys the opportunity to hear the first few episodes before they were released. So I started episode one not knowing it was a story, you know, about Sherlock Holmes and James Moriarty. I was listening to the conversation between Sabine and uh, and Jim, you know, at the the restaurant not knowing who Sabine and Jim were. They were just two people. So it was kind of a cool little, uh, oh, okay. So it's a, it's a Sherlock Holmes story. That was interesting. Was that the intention originally? Again, if I could read, I probably would have seen in the synopsis. <laughs> that there was no, something. no, it's been, it's been something that's plagued me is because I personally, when I'm writing, I really like to write the stuff that happens backstage of the real action. And it was kind of fun to think, you know, because I, Sherlock, I'm not a giant Sherlock Holmes fan, actually. Okay. That would have been uh, one of my I'm, questions. Was there, was there any particular Yeah, reason? no. And I think a lot of people go, Are you, I, I read them all. I had that time in high school somewhere between reading the fantasy novels and, and reading the ghost story and the fiction novels. I went through a mystery phase and obviously Arthur and Doyle would be, you know, he was, and I read all the Sherlock Holmes and I said, you know, oh, Sherlock Holmes he's so great you know and i thought you know in my 16 year old mind go he just needs you know the love of a good woman type of thing and then i then i went and went on to whatever kind of sci-fi thing that you go on to when you're in grade 11 or whatever um and so what i started to really think about is i've also been fascinated by people who are like serial killers and stuff like that okay. and i'm not a true crime thing but i always think what about the family who like every is everyone a serial killer or yeah. like is it like do you house Christmas dinner at your house like right how does that work right what I mean, were Hitler's like, parents like and because <laughs> I I have an older brother yeah exactly I have an older brother a Hitler you never you never write to us anymore you're busy with this stupid war thing like, his this name is was it. Adolf not Adolf. yeah yeah. Hitler, yeah, they, yeah Hitler, well that's how you know they didn't love him they used to just call him directly by his last <laughs> name all right Hitler whatever <laughs> so anyways yeah and so I thought you know and I remember there's a great story I read about the Unabomber you know the Unabomber the guy who like uh, mailed McVeigh, Timothy McVeigh, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, he's not. No, no that's not the guy who mailed packages all over the United Ma- States. Yeah, I mean, anyways. Oh, okay. And what I- was interesting is they couldn't find him. And and I read this thing on like, I don't know what, Life Magazine or something. And they couldn't find him at all. And his, because he was living on a hill in the mountainside writing these screeds and mailing them off with whatever. And, uh, and the family had a reunion at one point. And one of the eldest siblings said, called everyone in and said, okay, listen here's the description of what they think the Unabomber is like. And it totally sounds like our brother. And they all went, yeah. And there's like, there were about six or eight siblings and they all had to have a kind of meeting to decide, do we tell on him? And there's always one person says, well, I don't think it's really him. And someone said, well, it might be, we should do the right thing. And another person goes, I don't know, because that's just going to be too embarrassing. And, you know, and, and, and in the end, they kind of decided to turn him in. We said, we don't know what it is, but we'll leave the police to decide if it was him. And I thought, okay, so that meant that there were other people in the family who weren't comfortable with what he was doing. And I thought that is an interesting, we never hear about life with that and I said that kind of then when I thought about Moriarty I thought you know you know what's Moriarty's family like was his family all like you know we're going to send you to school to do crime or does he have a sister who's exasperated 
because uh, you know I'm always exaggerated with my older brother. So I'm like, oh, you know, and I think I, I channel some of that. And he's he's my older brother is not a murderer or anything like that. But it's just that you know of. That, but yeah, well, no. <laughs> I, if he was, I would totally know. He's like, yeah. you know, I, I borrowed all his records. You know, it's kind of one of those things. But it's just that sort of that sibling energy too. So that fascinated me about the story. So the idea that Sherlock Holmes is busy trying to solve this crime, but there's this whole family dysfunction happening at the same time. It kind of well, I thought that was interesting too. There was the the whole, you know, Sabine Moriarty, the the love interest of the two arch nemesis. There's this genius between the two of them that's, uh, you know, of interest to both. So at first, I, you know, I was like, oh, he's adopted. I like that sort of the Joker aspect where no one knows what his real origin is and and his real parents and everything. But then, of course, listening to the series, I I understand after some some heavy panting what the, the necessity of that was. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that's a, a, a kind of a nod to the victorian stuff and there's things where i do if you're if you're a sherlock holmes fan because i used to be i was haunted by the idea that sherlock holmes fans would read this and be really insulted at what i did because moriarty doesn't actually have a sister i have invented that mm-hmm. uh and so um and i thought people are going to be so mad especially when sherlock tends to get kind of romantically entangled with her um and i and i know that the whole thing with sherlock holmes is he doesn't do that so i had to sort of say yeah but you know sometimes we i think that's okay i think that's okay because in the the guy Ritchie movies he had a love interest or at least a a fascination in both you know what i mean and i don't think it bothered me the only the only time in the entire podcast that I was a little like, that seems a little unsure. Like was just his, uh, you know, when, when Sabine, when he got excited for Sabine, the first, oh, oh, um, 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 I was like, okay, that is, that is so unsure. Like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm. Yeah, and I thought, yourself, I, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize that the, that the, him getting a condom was going to play a part later in the story. So I just thought it was great of you to put in that safe sex advert in that moment. So, I must well, insist. Oh yes, of course. Um, uh, I, I never because. thought anyone was going to hear this. Right. So I was just having all my fun experimenting and sort of saying, well, I said, I, you know, as a woman, I'd like to actually, uh, the way people, fall into bed in like the, I also like to say that I waited several episodes before that happened. Right. Oh yes. Is, if this were an HBO, it would have happened probably in the oh, yeah. teaser trailer. The <laughs> first know? scene would be him playing his violin with an erection in front of a window. Like that's just how it has <laughs> exactly. to be. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, and so I'm trying to be a little bit more slow burn with this. And so, you know, I thought, well, I, I, I'm going to make him a little bit unsure because I figure I'll offend the Sherlock Holmes yeah. Well, I just, I, the only, the only reason it was kind of awkward to me because he's such a, a, a studier of behavior. So for him to be caught so off guard by his own things, I just, I thought it was funny. And of course, at the same yeah. time, it's audio only. There were so many times where I'd hear something like I'm the kind of guy who yells at the radio in my car when a stupid Tim Hortons commercial comes on. I'm like, people don't talk like this. <laughs> Nobody's excited for the new bagel. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Zero. Zero. Yeah, exactly. No, is that the new pumpkin spice? But nobody cares. Go back to your cubicle. I've asked you for a report for four hours now, and you're at my cubicle <laughs> talking about my bagel. Get the fuck out of here. I don't have time for your shit. That's the real commercial. Not two people <laughs> celebrating. Bagel. And they're always out of bagels in the first hour of the day anyways. So why are we? <laughs> anyways, I yeah. might have issues, guys. But uh, I think I'm thinking that. <laughs> I just, I had to remind myself right now and again, there's, there's certain things that you have to exaggerate because it's audio only. So you have to make extra emphasis right. and things like that. 
Like, I'll be honest, Moriarty's, as a child Moriarty's voice, I'm like, I would love to strangle him too. Now I understand you guys, <laughs> it's hard to sound like a child when you're an adult, right? Like there's just octaves you can't hit. Anymore. Oh, it was so annoying to be like, hey, I'm really going to nail it this time. And then just absolutely be like, hey, I, there's no way. Sabine, come <laughs> on. I've got something to show you. What is it, Jim? Yeah. 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 What is it, Jim? Oh, it's just this way, Beanie. Follow me. Jim, we can't go down. Like, that's pretty good actually we'll, we'll get yeah. your number after the show no worries yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, okay. that was cast a one next time i'm kidding I'm, uh, <laughs> he, he could do the i can't i can't take direction what's like i i done shows and things like that because they hire me they think i'm going to be a good actor because i'm a comic i'm like it's not the same thing when i'm when i'm doing stand-up i know what cadence i'm going for i know what tone everything like that but whenever someone's like do it like this i'm like i don't know what that sounds like you do it and then i'll replicate it how about that mm. so I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm awful at direction because i have no idea what they mean all right a little bit sadder i'm like oh, okay yeah i oh, guess how how yeah well, yeah no. so that's really cool like i mean i, I so I, I mean i i enjoyed the story right from the get-go i found it very interesting the there was so much math and stuff in it so for example like i i have a hard time sitting down with a piece of paper and writing down my ideas for for jokes and things like that so anything that is written to completion to me is a miracle do you know what i mean like it just it blows my mind and then the level of research and stuff you had to do to to come up with there's there's math the math the math i would like to just go on the record and say i am a moron at math i am um i graduated the last year you could in quebec without uh calculus i I graduated with grade 10 math and nothing more really so i yeah that's Which interesting. Is kind of fun. I'm trying to avoid yeah, making I, a COVID numbers joke if everyone in Quebec has to graduate with yeah. calculus yet. Flattening well, the just, curve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mon Dieu, come off us up. Anyways. Yeah, no, yeah, we, we, we just don't know. Yeah, no, no. It's, um, uh, once they got letters involved, I kind of bailed. And I was able to. So Yeah, see, I, I couldn't tell you that. My series doing a great job for me. I'm uh, <laughs> If I need so some I figured, math, I'm, she's, she's doing my conversions and everything. I like don't know. That. Like, uh, I have a thing, a weird mental thing that if someone starts talking math to me, I, I just hear like a feedback sound. Like, I'm just like, oh, numbers. I can't. Mm. It's just so, tinnitus. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, so feedback. Yeah. Like, that's great. Yeah. I, I, I don't, math is my weakest subject. Um, but yet I can still contribute a little bit. When people are talking, oh yeah, you just like, I didn't know what, uh, what is it? Um, Pythagorean theorem. I didn't know what that was mm-hmm. until, you know, <laughs> I was in a Home Depot and I was trying to, you know, figure I would have just done the measurements myself. And the guy's like, yeah, you just use Pythagorean theorem to figure that out. And I'm like, let's pretend I don't know what that is. And <laughs> hypothetically just, speaking. Hypothetically speaking. Know. Yeah. Pythagorean speaking. Yeah. Let's pretend yeah. I wasn't a teenager with high speed internet yeah. at the time that I was being taught this. I can go home and study this or... Yeah, no, it was, uh, I, I loved hearing it because I'm like just the level of, of patience and understanding. And this, the, the funny thing is it could have been complete BS in the, in the podcast. Like you're like, oh, well this, if you use this Pythagorean numerology, I'm like, okay, I guess so. That's it's like great. somebody who says they can speak, you know, Scandinavian. You're like, oh yeah, go ahead. And they say something you're like, what am I gonna do? Fact check it. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> exactly okay that might be yeah my roommate's been watching vikings and i'm like they didn't talk with english accents this was like swedish chef stuff which would have been a lot less intimidating if they came out swinging their swords and they're like i don't know if i can no i don't know poor sarah had to choke on some crazy mathematical terms and that was hard for you i know because those are big big words and you know 
Well, it's, it's, I, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, Sarah. I, I want to get you guys getting going to it. Poor Sarah yeah. and, and Mitch are just sitting here while I get all excited about it. No, that. I have to do the classic, sorry, you know, you go ahead. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> classic Canadian apology. No, I just was going to say if Tracy thinks her math is bad, mine is like next level challenging. So, you know, the accent, that was, of course, a challenge to do, but the math was definitely what I struggled the most with. I was like, this could make sense i'll just pretend like it does and hopefully it'll sound like i know what i'm talking about but yeah no math is not my forte at all it's that's yeah. why we become artists you know artists, yeah we, uh, we can't do math very well i'm not even good at emails do you know what i mean yeah. like when i'm typing something yeah. in it i'm trying like i'm trying to articulate as best i can but there's no tone there's no cadence there's no warmth so I just yeah. tell people when I'm doing a pitch on anything, I'm like, I would love to have a phone conversation or something with you. Me too. Because it's a very delicate line between how many happy faces and exclamation marks are you going to put in without sounding totally nuts, you know? But yeah. you don't want to sound just like, <laughs> you just put periods throughout the whole email, you sound cold and you don't want to come off across as hostile, you yeah. know? So, I'm like, how many bitmojis yeah. can I put at the end of this email and still <laughs> seem like an adult? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eventually, you have yeah, too yeah. many, it comes off as facetious. You got to watch. Yeah. That. Well, that's the thing. I used to think an email is supposed to be written like a letter. I'm like, if I have less than one paragraph in an email, am I phoning it in? You know what I mean? That's right. Uh, so I'm just like, I just want it to be good. Just take me seriously. So I'm just like, if you like, you know, I'm kind of the same way on the opposite end now. If someone sends me an email with only periods, I'm like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> Where's the exclamation marks? Are you mad at me? You yeah. Know? So, oh, I, yeah. I, I get it fully. <laughs> I get it fully. It's, uh, yeah. I, and I just tell people, I always put the same kind of line at the end of an email. I go, yeah, if you'd like to have a conversation, I'm a better talker than a writer. That's why I'm a comic, not an author. Right. You right. know what I mean? If I could, yeah, I, it's, it's like the ADD level of sitting down to think I have to do the, uh, like stream of consciousness exercise before, right. uh, before I do any writing, just because I'll be like halfway through a sentence and I'm immediately thinking about bills and stuff that I have to pay and you know, totally. Zoom meetings and stuff. I'm like, I got to clear all that stuff out of my head. Yeah. And you got to turn off your phone. It's just like, you no know, distractions, but there's just so much like stimulation from your technological devices. So it's like, oh my gosh, I just need to focus for 10 minutes. That's all I need. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Well, the two yeah. of you, the two of you guys, Sarah and Mitch, you guys did a phenomenal job in the, over Thank the course. You. And it's okay. like, again, as much as my knee jerk reaction was to be like listening to the voices and the, 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 the high pitch, like I had to, like I said, continue to tell myself like, this is something you need all these extra emphasis and everything like that. You guys did a phenomenal job. Um, oh, thank you. And well, the best thing is neither of you sound like your characters, which is always a huge thing, right? Not like a Jack Nicholson or yes. a Christopher Walken where it's like, oh, he's so good. You mean, you mean when you hire him to be him in something? Hey, you know? that's hard. <laughs> I look <Yeah>. up to that. <laughs> well, they're great, but it's like, but if you want that one thing, they're like, we're going to need you to play the gay best friend, Jack. He's like, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you're just not going to get it out of them. So the yeah. fact that you guys like, and I'll, I'll be honest, like by the end, I was actually like crushing on the Sabine voice. I'm like, this is a really, <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? I'm like, she's really, yeah. Good for her. <laughs> at the end of she slowly, just everybody, everybody wants a piece of Sabine, the math genius. Historically, yeah. right? Everyone's like, you know, the nerdy math chicken class. That's the one everyone wants. And then here totally. she is. Well, I, this was kind of like a dream actor project. So I've known Robin Tracy for, gosh, I think eight years just over eight years now and uh when they first approached me tracy when did you approach me with this i think it was like over three years ago with this project i think we're they gonna said, film a demo reel i think 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and and we're gonna actually and then we thought filming stuff is just way too hard and, and we yeah. could maybe film one scene and then it was gonna be one with Aiden and we thought mm, you know and it just became too hard and I get really depressed and that's when Rob came back with the podcast. But actually you said right. I was probably still interested. So Oh yeah, no, it just it was kind of like a dream phone call because I had moved to Toronto by this point. Point, but they called me and they were like hey can we pay you to be a lead and also if you have actors you want to work with we'll like pay them as well to act with you I was like is this real life this never happened so um I was really lucky because Mitch we go back um we met in university and I was mm-hmm. like I think I found your your gym I think I know someone who would be really good for it so and That's then awesome. um, another actor who played Sherlock in our original recordings Matt Dawson I also knew him through university so uh yeah it was so much fun to get to work with people you 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 trained with in university you know because yeah. there was intimacy involved I kind yeah. of th- and because I'm a woman I sort of and it's it's really actually it's crazy especially when you see them all in a room it's one woman versus like eight guys and I said okay there's some intimacy between two of the characters in the scene and I said for for a complicity particularly for your brother I want an Sarah, name me an actor that you would feel you could have a complicity with, that you kind of could feel like siblings with, you know? And, they, you know, and, and so you named some people. Unfortunately, we couldn't have Matt in the end, um, but we got James Loy, and James Loy kind of came in at the last minute and was, you know, and that worked very well. But I still think the sibling complicity between uh, Mitchell and Sarah was just, uh, there are some lines that I still marvel at how, you know, Jim will say something of a kind of, bitchy tone of voice and you know and Sabine you know in that sibling way kind of says yeah in the same tone of voice okay yes it's like and you kind of managed to make it sound like you knew each other for a very long time and you did know each other for a little longer than the podcast right so it worked very very well yeah like you could I I would imagine that you guys had probably the most airtime together in terms of scenes and things like that it was probably the most Sabine and Jim yeah. yeah, I think that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it worked out great. Like it's, there was no, and that's the thing too. It's something I, I hadn't written down, really hadn't paid attention to until you, until you mentioned now is that there's no, there's no scenes that sounded like it was just people saying lines or anything. Like everything had a really mm-hmm. good, you know, synergy and stuff like that in, in every scene. So there was no, at no point was I'm like, you know, okay, this sounds really it it worked a really great line of 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 working, but not seeming too over the top, like the old shadow broadcasts and stuff like that. You know the I wasn't over the top. <laughs> so, but but within necessity, it okay. was it was at times. Sabine, <laughs> like just some of them. I'm laughing my ass off during some of them, just going like it's. But oh, it's no. but it's necessary because it has. It's funny too. This show. That's one thing that yeah. kind of gets yeah. missed. I forget that. I forget that. I also must admit. Um, I have not listened to the whole thing. Oh no! So that's this is my this is my own um, neuroses playing into it of just being like I can't listen to myself uh, on recording. So um, oh, it's hard. I, yeah. I totally I, I, get hard. it. I totally. Yeah. I have listened to none of my podcasts, none of my two hundred plus podcasts because I just I can't. They're like, <laughs> you listen to them? like I was there. Ladies I don't need and to gentlemen. One man podcast. He never listens to his own. Story. I don't. I don't. I was there. I know what I said. I don't think I said any canceled words or anything like that. So I'm probably good. I'll get the emails. I joke in public. I say, I'm like, am I still in show business? Did I get canceled? Is that, is that okay? Anyone wearing a wire? Um, <laughs> what was interesting about Mitchell? I just have to add like that. Um, 
you like you said you you might have overacted you say Mitchell and so at one point I was reading something and I was going I, I wrote to him and said I will never write anything in all caps ever again because to me all caps is like full on and like Mitchell goes to like 11 or 12 on all caps <laughs> and I'm like oh my god but then then I found myself knowing that he'd do that writing things in all caps <laughs> so that, I, I take you know, he's you know over the top that's me I'm writing the line appears in all caps so you know well it was and it, I, I don't know I, I thoroughly enjoyed it too because like I said it sounded like you know the theater as opposed to being like a little too over the top, like the old, I, I always tell people like there's, I don't know, I think maybe Marlon Brando was part of whatever, but when you look at the old movies, we're like, ah, oh, see, coming in the room here, and this is what we're going to do. Don't argue with me, woman. And it's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> people don't talk like that. They never did. But it's like, but that was that whole just, we're acting, say, and this is how we do it. And I'm like, I, but then you had Brando coming in and doing a little more, you know, with, with, with feeling and stuff like that. And like, oh, we're allowed to just be a little more human versus like stiff mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So I, I enjoyed that. It, it didn't sound like old radio shows in that regard. It sounded like, mm-hmm. it sounded like a Broadway play. The only difference is that you can't see anything. So not only do you guys have okay. to, to make it, you know, sound good and, and accurate, but at the same time, there's a lot that the, the audio has to, you know, uh, incorporate into it and sort of paint the picture. Of it. it can't be easy. It can't be easy. I've done the and the audio offers a lot. I was listening to it. Like I said, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I was listening and, you know, just closing your eyes and the soundscape that is, that is made is unbelievable. So yeah. well, the sound thing, like Rob, who's a director was really, really, really anxious about how are we going to do the sound effects? We don't have any background in doing sound effects. And I said, well, I'll take a swing at it. I have a, a training in being a set designer. That's what I, it's not what I work as, but I went to university as a set designer. I said, well, and I kept telling people, this is not hard. This is like set design, but with noise, mm-hmm. which means you don't have to lift anything. But um, one of the problems was, is occasionally there'd be a sound that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would have to do, particularly Jim kind of, it te- I, it tends to have sort of like things with crashy cutlery and he'll smash plates and things. And, and so I would go, well, I'm going to have to do that myself. So I would do that. And there was a time, you know, there was a violin that gets thrown. And uh, where do you find one of those? There's no audio of that extant on the internet. So I had to go get a cheap one and throw it. And so I threw, there's this point where I have a feeling the neighbor. <laughs> you actually did that? I did. <laughs> I, I, the stuff I had to do, I had to, I had to flip a table with, and oh. I, I'm particular. Like, I know you can tell cheap plates. If I flip a table with Melmac on it and like a bunch of like Tupperware, right. you'll, you'll know. But if it's actually. Would I? China, that's, a, that's a lot of credit you're giving us. No, no. You, you, it's <laughs> funny. Listen, wait a things. second. Wait a second. <laughs> that is I not that Wedgwood. I'm that in an abusive relationship yeah, and yeah, I know yeah, yeah. what that sounds like when it gets thrown. <laughs> that is. <laughs> like China breaks into sharper shards, right? Which is where a dollar store plate kind of breaks into about two pieces. Clunk, you know. But <laughs> you know, plastic. anyways. I mean, now so, we know. I didn't know this. Oh uh, no, you just go. Does and I, I have I, because it was a TV series. I saw it all in my head. So mm. there's a violin. I and the thing is, it's um, you know, they the film The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. There's a train that derails in it, and they said they actually managed to get a train car, and then they had to set up about 40 cameras because they said we can only derail the train once because once we derail it, it will be broken. Same thing with the violin. I had to get a violin and we had to make sure the sound was all set up. And then I just had to sit there and go, okay, here goes. And 
smashed the violin. And actually, I realized that it didn't smash, break into as many pieces. So I picked, I did a couple takes of it. I would, have, I would have gone to a music school and said, which one of you kids wants to be set free? <laughs> which one of you is done with this? And I'll smash your violin yeah, and, and set you free. It cost you 200 bucks. Yeah, totally. It's a, win, it's a win-win, right? <laughs> smash the only your thing violin. Is I think the neighbors probably think that Rob and I were getting divorced. I think they thought there was a lot of marital strife because I was throwing <laughs> tables and throwing violins, <laughs> trashing things. And But no, no. So, no, no, we're recording a podcast. Sorry, sorry. That's hilarious. No, if anything, it was probably bringing you two closer together. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I had no idea when listening to that. And I'm glad you're talking about it because this is something I wouldn't have thought. I'm like, did you really smash all of these wonderful things? Or, But that's commitment. Like, wow. Well, I didn't do all of it. There was a lot of stuff. I used to something called freesound.org, which because I, I wasn't going to pay for these sounds. Uh, and it's, um, it's a... Yeah, no, and they have a lot of people who do podcasts put their sounds up there. And I was just, I had specific things like table flipping or violins or, you know, certain things like that that I needed to kind of go, well, that's not going to sound like what I want it to sound like. So, you know, but, and so I got most of it from, the, I had a little Zoom recorder and I was able to do the table flipping and we've got that boom mic that works. So, yeah. But the, so. uh, there was, uh, I remember the only two times where it wasn't until at the end of the scene, I was like, oh, that wasn't where I thought it was was uh the all the, the the sort of club techno music with Sabine and uh Tony and Jim mm -hmm. uh at their place. So I'm like it just sounded like they were at a club the whole time and I'm like okay they're just hanging out and then it's like oh no well you can't just start effing each other in a club. I mean no, it's London who knows I been, <laughs> but uh it's a particular club. Yeah, exactly. So that was one and then I remember I remember listening to it was uh, yesterday that I was listening to the church scene when everyone was in church and that one must have been tough because the big cathedral ceilings are very difficult to replicate in terms of the uh the echoing. So it didn't sound quite like a church. It sounded kind of like a like a, a what do you Hall. call it? like a ritual in a basement with a pentagram. It sounded more like <laughs> but I but but that was right in the first sentence or so and then as it progressed I was like no this like and I was sitting there thinking of it too was just going like, yeah, how would it, that's really hard to do in terms of curriculum. So I think that was actually phenomenal in terms of how difficult that was. Cause I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a group of people. It sounds like a church. Well, so God, well, thank I, you. I say that to anyone who's listening to you because it's very easy for people to listen to works and criticize them. Do you know what I mean? Like, and mm -hmm. I, not to say that this is something that's going to, you know, garner that kind of criticism. It's just when you're listening to something like I had to, even myself having done, you know, some voice work and whatnot and, and trying with my podcast to incorporate little ads and, and stuff with sound, it's not easy. And it's, you can get a piece and they go that, Oh, that sounds great. And then it's not until you put it in and put it with all the dialogue and everything like that to go, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. just little things like that. So sound engineering and that's, is that, that's not your background, right? Is sound engineering, things like that, Tracy? No. Yeah. So for this to be your first time doing that kind of thing, that's unbelievable. Absolutely. First time podcasting. So we had, and we did only listen to a little bit of other podcasts or a few podcasts that people said, Oh, you should hear this. If you're going to do a podcast, like a dramatic podcast. And we listened to like, you know, maybe you know, a minute or two of them, but we got so kind of intimidated by the stuff that was out there. There's some dramatic podcasts that are very well known and things like that. And, and we're like, Oh, we'll never measure up and people are just going to criticize us and it's going to look, shoddy and kind of but we did our best and it came out looking it sounding amazing i also i'll put it to you this way uh i've been mildly intimidated to do this interview only because the level of professionalism and how everything sounded from all of you guys i was like go on i was like why are why do they want to talk to me 
I'm the guy who can't keep Siri quiet during an interview when I'm talking to it's myself. Professional. Right? Yeah. No, but you guys, no, it was, it was unbelievable. I was really, really impressed. And I wanted to give my listeners a little bit more about you guys too, because I, I was telling Tracy before that my, my listeners aren't so much about like, Hey, I listened to this thing and now I just want to know a little bit more about it. It's more of like, I like to introduce my listeners to, to people with talents. And so this is one thing that you guys have done collectively, but to give them an opportunity to get to know you guys and, and look at other things that you're you're doing because you can't help but but connect with people on a genuine level when you get to hear them and, and learn about them. So I wanted to ask you two, uh, Sarah and Mitch, where did you guys, you can feel free to fight it out of who gets to answer first, but where did you guys get started into acting? Was acting the first thing or is that just kind of where you, where you led afterwards? Do it. Fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Very intense fighting <laughs> happening right now. Yeah. Neither <laughs> one of them wants to speak first. Yeah. Why don't we go with Sarah? No, Sarah, no, you, were, you go. Yeah. Which you go ahead. You've been quiet. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I would say that I started acting uh, very young, uh, probably grade six, something like that. Um, and then um, it it became something that uh, that just felt like the only thing I can do. Um, you know, like like it was just for me. Um, it became it became like improv was the first thing that I started with and uh, really enjoyed it and found that it was, it was so freeing. And um, it was something that like, I remember in drama class in grade, I think in grade seven, it was, I, I just remember the distinct feeling of being like, Oh, here's something that I can do that other people can't do very well or something like that. No, I, I definitely, I can relate to that. Yeah. And um and then, yeah, uh, I also really wanted to get away from my elementary school settings, um, like middle school and elementary school, because of just just like bad juju and and, uh, and and bullying and that kind of thing. So I remember um, there was a there was this meeting for an arts high school um, that was set up for people in grade eight. And they gave this presentation about this wonderful sort of dreamland sounding arts high school. And uh, it, it sounded like my ticket, my ticket out of there. Right. Because I dreaded going to high school um, because the high school that I was going to go to initially was around the corner from my house. I could actually see it from, from my bedroom window. And um, so this arts high school was uh, like three city buses across town. And oh and, my god, <laughs> yeah, no, I it, but it, it became like I loved high school because it was a drama program and it was just like it was it was amazing. Um, everything about it was was it was to learn how to be an actor, and uh, I felt very prepared after high school to take a year off. Um, and then I lived in BC and then and then I went to Concordia and uh. I mean, I can go on. Do you want me to just keep talking? It's up. To, it's up to you. Like I, I love getting to know people. So the thing is, it's not like uh, I was saying before. It's not like one of those those press interviews where like you got to have your answer two sentences because we got to. Okay. It's more oh, about Mitchell just studied in England. That's. I did you really? Yeah. yeah, I was gonna ask where where yeah, was high school? That's where the accent comes from. So I'm I'm from Ottawa. I'm, okay, I'm Ottawa so you're. Currently. That's where I'm from. That's where I oh, am. Cool. Yeah. Right so on. were you talking about Canterbury? I was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, is this Toronto? Where is where are we talking about here? But yeah, so you went to Canterbury. That's I awesome. Went to Canterbury, I yeah. always wanted to go, but I never, 
uh, I didn't know for what. If that makes uh, sense. I wanted to go to an yeah. art school and I was like, I don't, the music part, the acting part. When I was younger, I wanted to be an actor because I was always just pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. But, but I never knew what I wanted to go. So I was always, I went to Glebe. So yep. I went to Alanis mm-hmm. Morissette school where we heard her <laughs> sing the national anthem over the speakers every day. And it is just <laughs> as long as you would think it would be. <laughs> oh my gosh. I but, imagine. but I remember my friends who went to Canterbury, the ones I went to, you know, middle school with and stuff. And I was like, they're all going to Canterbury. I'm like, I want to go to Canterbury. I love doing <laughs> it, but it was magic. I got to say, uh, I miss it. I missed a lot actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I studied, I got a master's in the UK at a, at a place called the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. And, uh, that was a, a very hard year, but it was, uh, very worth it and rewarding. And, um, um, now it's, everything's on hold because of COVID yeah. and, uh, that's just, we're all on this extended break, but the podcast came at a really great time because I had sort of just gotten back from the uk i think was the timing pretty sure so i was mm-hmm. very confident with my british accent <laughs> and uh now not so much but um uh i d- i do remember doing the the audition um and and just being like no i nailed that for sure gonna get it <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great because i know what auditions are like and they're if i mean again i assume a lot of actors too it's like the the amount of no's you have to get before you get a yes sometimes is uh, grueling grueling um and that's one of the things i kind of talk about with some of my my guests on the show is because they get to hear people who are, are incredibly talented like yourself and sometimes people want to do it like i wanted to ask you when you're like yeah i went to this and then i went to the uk i'm like that right in there in and of itself like I live in Ottawa and then I'm just going to go to move to the UK to, to go to school. Like to, to some people they're like, how do you do that? I, I can't get the balls to move to Toronto to pursue stand up. Do you know what I mean? I'm still happy being this, this big fish in a small pond because the idea of doing that uh, terrifies me. I'm like, I'm already sort of half and half doing the, the real world work stuff. Like I don't have a nine to five, but, but. 50% of my income is, is subsidized by other things besides stand, especially now during COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. And with the future uncertain, I would imagine other creatives like yourself sometimes get like, it's like, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to go back to, to doing what we did? Like, you know, we're all Canadian. This, our government's talking about shutting it down again. So to me, like it takes, it takes such courage to do what you guys are doing, which is to move to different places to pursue what you look like. That's, I don't think people recognize the, the, the balls, if you will, the courage it takes to do that. So to me as a, you know, young man going across the pond to do that, was that something that you pursued or was your family moving? Like, how did you go from, from here to the UK and to, to continue? Well, um, I was in, I was in, I went from Ottawa to Montreal cause I went to Concordia. I lived in Montreal for like six right. years. You had mentioned that. Um, and then, and then what was my path? My path was, I came back to Ottawa and then to Montreal for like a month and then back to Ottawa and then to the UK. Um, I've definitely had way too many hiccups to, to be comfortable with, you know, I've, I have, um, I deal with like anxiety and depression and sort of kind of negative things that get in the way of, of acting. And, um, and so getting to the UK was kind of this like ridiculous monumental feat. Um, and then when I was there, I was just like, ah, yes, I'm home. I don't know. I felt very comfortable there. It took me a little bit of time to get comfortable, but once I was 
once I was finally there and settled and in class, I felt, I felt good. Um, I wanted to stay, but getting there was, um, it's just something I'd always wanted to do. I remember in maybe either grade seven or grade nine, seeing a poster for um, Lambda, which is the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. And there was a, a picture of John Lithgow on the, on the poster. He plays the dad and oh, I, I know who Lithgow is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the great remake of uh, the Twilight Zone's Friday at what thirty thousand feet or whatever? Oh, I haven't seen it. I yeah, got to see it. Shatner did the original, and Lithgow did the the remake. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just remember seeing a poster for that, and I was just like, ah, oh, that actor went there. I must that I must aspire to that or something like that. And um, yeah, I auditioned for a bunch of schools and I got into all of them, which was amazing. And then, um, that's great. Did. Yeah, it, it was great. I had the, I had the pick of the litter and then I did a bunch of research and actually the first year that I, that I auditioned, I couldn't, I couldn't go because of, uh, financial issues. And then they, they let me initially, I thought there was going to be some sort of like re auditioning process to get in again um but they told me they can't defer my they they couldn't defer um but they told me that i could just reapply very early on in the process and express interest again and send them an email and they would get back to me quickly and and that kind of thing and when i did initially i reapplied um thinking oh man this better work out because i already auditioned and i already got in um they got back to me with a, with another audition offer in the UK. And I was like, I'm not flying to the UK to audition for an, a program that I've already gotten into. So I talked to them and they were like over the phone, they were like, okay, we're going to discuss it with our course team. And they put me on hold for like 20 minutes. They came back on the phone and was like, um, I don't, I don't know what they said, but something like, um, we'll have to get back to you, but we have had a discussion with the course team, but we'll let you know. And then the next day they send me an, uh, a, a, an, an offer of enrollment. So I didn't have to audition again. And it was just kind of like, cool. I did, I did the right things to get back in. That's awesome. That. That's great. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think they had you on the phone the first time. You're like, we're going to go talk it over to him. I assume that would be like, we'll get back to you right there. Like they kept you on hold for 20. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, long was, distance. No, it was long yeah. distance. Yeah. It was in the UK and calling the UK and I was up at like 3am calling them at 9am kind of thing. And Oh yeah. Was, uh, dedication. Yeah. It was dedication. It's, it's been rough recently uh, in the, my, my past year or so has, has not been so great with, with acting and, and I've had to sort of take a step back from it all and, and hang on. And then COVID has not helped at no. all. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can, I can understand. I mean, I'm sure it's the same for all of us in the, in the arts, not just because of COVID, but it's, I mean, when you say anxiety and stress and depression, I, I do struggle with the same thing. I talk uh, on my podcast at times, just trying to describe what it's like sometimes like, uh, you know, when you have anxiety and people are like, Hey, just relax. I'm like, you know, if relax was the Ooh. cure to anxiety. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. <laughs> you're up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just don't. Yeah. Like I, but I remember being, cause again, you know, uh, a male comedian, you know, blowhard, just making fun of things. Like, it's like when people talked about depression, when I was younger, I thought depression was like, you know, you're curled up in the fetal position on your bed and you're just like, Oh, I'm just so sad. And you're like, well, just don't be, go do something. And you're like, yeah, you get old and you start to realize 
Like, it's funny that the statistic is like seven out of 10 people struggle with some sort of anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. And the idea is it's, it's such a, a thing that we looked at least myself, you know, when I was younger, I looked at it like it was a weakness thing while at the same time, totally afflicted by it myself and having no idea. Right. Mm. Just, just, just mm. thinking like, you know, when you're stressing and you're overthinking and you're work, like it, it was just, for me, it was like catastrophizing every situation is running through mm. every horrible situation that could happen in something and then living through it mentally and trying to plan for it, whatever. And just like, it's just no, I do that, but I put it into a TV series. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great way to process it, but it's, that is it's one hell of an cheaper than therapy. I mean, yeah. I'm not, mm. you know, like some of the things that happen are pretty awful and I'm going, well, you know, <laughs> That's on the page, so I've taken care of it. Well, it doesn't entirely, but you know. And that's the thing. For me, I've processed it with humor. You know what I mean? Is mm -hmm. trying to make light of situations, but it's still, I, I've told people over the years without, this is before I even recognized that I had any kind of anxiety or depression was just that like, I'm like, you know, when they would have a regular conversation with me, there wouldn't be a lot of humor necessarily in it, at least not mm -hmm. into it. Cause we're talking about serious stuff and the things are like, yeah, it's not really funny. I go, yeah, to be honest with me, the, like the, the comedy is like the exhaust fumes of processing mm -hmm. all of the other stuff that I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, you meet a lot of people in the entertainment industry and it's like, oh, that wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. It's like, well, it's, I mean, I'm sure you all know it's at times kind of a sick industry, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it's where yeah. we love to give you the final product, right? Everyone wants to see the diamond. No one wants to see the mine and whatnot that it's coming from, right? That's, yeah. it's yeah. not a beautiful process right from the get-go. You guys just get to see what we've all grinded to get you in the end. So yeah. It's uh, I, and I, and the the grind of the industry, yes. that that true grind that you have to kind of you have to partake in it is, yep. um, it's it's fucking brutal. Yep. <laughs> oh man, it's I don't so know how brutal. anyone does it. And like as a writer, I can't even get into that brutal industry. So that's mm. yeah that's it's hard. Like they won't let you because like, <laughs> i've been told you if you want to get if you want to writing a series or movies or things that uh they won't produce you if you aren't represented by an agent so i said oh okay and i went and looked for agents and the agents say well we aren't going to represent anyone unless you have a producer interested and i'm like wait a minute that does hmm. so then mm -hmm. that's why genius i thought i I wrote it for myself and I thought no one would ever see it. And of course, you know, cautionary tale, things you think no one will see end up becoming international podcasts. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know. yeah, no, it's, and it's, that's what I like too, is because there's so many different things that, you know, people think no one will enjoy or whatever. I just recently read the Wikipedia page for the bare naked ladies and to hear their start and, and things like that, that happened and the stuff they went through, they're just playing stupid camp songs together and stuff, you know, when they were camp counselors and you just, you're going like these things that they thought nobody would ever care about. They got big breaks mm -hmm. because they all jammed themselves into the booth at speaker's corner in Toronto and sang one of their songs into the, you know, the, the video thing the, the video that thing. they, they got canceled doing something live in Toronto because just the name of the band alone was like, Oh, mm. we can't have that. I, I remember that in Quebec, we were like, that is so Ontario. I mean, does anyone in Ontario actually <laughs> think that there will be bare naked ladies? I mean, <laughs> well, translating in all that into French even, that would be ladies femme too new. Yeah. But I just remember I walked down the street in Montreal and St. Catherine and there's like nudie photos for the strip clubs during the day and i'm like is that allowed are you allowed to have nudity on the street <laughs> i i figured the first time i saw that i'm like it must be like the mcdonald's menu like during the day it just flips over and it's ads for churches and stuff like that and then at night <laughs> the kids are in bed all right back to the strip clubs 
<laughs> so I can imagine uh, Quebec being particularly comfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's funny. Like I just I, I find that that the more genuine. I mean, people obviously they relate to the, the 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 genuine aspect. They real matters, right? People gravitate towards honesty and vulnerability, which is one of the reasons. Like I say, I, I liked him as much as we could talk about. You know, we, we recorded this, and this was our inspiration for that or whatever. Just to get to know the real people behind it. And when someone hears something that, like I said to me, was so. That was so far beyond what anything that I feel capable of doing in terms of the patience and the, and the perseverance to sit down and write something, to study math. Oh my God. To make sure that my math is sound in a story, right? Like I just (laughs) never, but, but to, to complete that. And then the work that you guys did to bring these characters to life and how everything sounded so authentic again, even just to the, to the fully, you know, art with the sounds. It's great. But then for people, what I like to share with my audience is then to hear the people behind it and know that it's not like everything's just been a boulevard of green lights for you guys. We're like, oh yeah, I just started into it. Everything's been great. Like to know that you guys grind and work hard to, to be able to, to have these opportunities and stuff like that is, Mm -hmm. is incredible. I hope you don't mind, Sarah. I want to, I want to bring you in too, because now you're sort of just sitting uh, quiet on your end. What what got you, what got you into the the whole acting thing? And we will come back to you too, Mitch, for some more, but just to give everyone the origin stories. Yeah, no, I've just been enjoying listening and just to like really quickly piggyback off one of the things you were saying is I've worked at um, behind the scenes at Second City for a number of years in Toronto. And like, you know, everyone thinks comedians, they're just so funny and smart, but my gosh, you guys are so sad. <laughs> you guys were so Thanks. depressing to me. I think there's an no, inherent think, part of the, depression in comedy. Yeah, it's, it's part of like, I, I think to create humor out of sadness and grief is one of the most challenging things to do but it's also like it's necessary it's how we process you know those difficult feelings so yeah um how did I get into acting um uh, so I was homeschooled when I was younger and uh when I finally decided I had had enough of just being with my brothers as my only two classmates I begged my parents to go to a public school and um so I went to high school and I just didn't know how socializing worked I was extremely shy and very nervous um and so I never really did much acting you know as a youth like I know some people they get started right away but that wasn't really my my personal journey um but I thought okay well maybe as a way to overcome my shyness I can audition for a play and like just figure out how people make friends that way and uh, my first audition for the school play it was the Grinch and it was a musical and you're supposed to sing and I just like just stood there and didn't say anything they're like are you gonna say anything I was like no (laughs) so I didn't get cast for that first role but you know I would have thought something like that would be so terrifying but for some reason I was just kind of intrigued by it and so the next year I tried again for an audition and I got a part and then the years leading on in high school I ended up getting quite a few leads and I thought well maybe there's actually something here for me Um, yeah, drama really helped me to understand the mechanics of socializing with people. And, you know, maybe I couldn't have one-on-one conversations with people in real life, but at least through a character on stage, I I knew how to connect with people so well. Um, and yeah, so then I, uh, went to Concordia as well. And, uh, it was through Concordia that I realized I loved acting, but I also thought like, I think I have... Like, the, I want to see more of, like, 
like I wanted certain stuff on stage and I wasn't necessarily always seeing that in the city. So rather than do what a lot of my peers were doing, uh, which was go to the UK for a master's, uh, I went to the University of Toronto for my master's degree. And the program I took was focused a lot more on like creating your own work and performing rather than just acting focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I lived in Toronto for six years and I literally moved to Vancouver last week. (laughs) Um, just because, you know, with COVID and everything, it really helped me to reevaluate a lot of my journey. And I thought, okay, maybe it's time to give Toronto a little break for the time being and see what Vancouver has to offer. And, um, yeah, when we talk about depression and anxiety, it's interesting because I'm very much like, I'm a workaholic and that's how I kind of channel all that anxiety. I think I need to do, do, do things all the time. So then when COVID happened, it was like, I was forced to just take a break and take a step back. I was like, oh my gosh, like why, like who, who even am I? I don't have any work to do. Um, so it was definitely challenging as I know it has been for a lot of people, but um, forcing myself to take a step back, I realized like, I don't need to be working all the time to still be valuable as a person to still mean something. And um, yeah, so Vancouver, you know, I'm definitely trying it out. I want to see what acting's like, but I'm also okay with taking, taking a bit of a slow period and just doing my thing right now. What did yeah. you do with your, with your quarantine? If you don't mind my asking. So that, that taking a step back. Cause I was going to mention yeah. that for myself too, is I had people saying like, wow, like you're a comedian. It must be, must be really strange to like, not know where work's going to come from and you know, yeah. what's going to happen afterwards. I'm like, yeah, but I, I go, I've been a comic for 10 years. I'm like, when they announced mm-hmm. four months of Serb, I'm like, I haven't known where my money is going to come from for four months straight in the last <laughs> decade. This is great. This, yeah, I'm like, this is the most, like I've ever been able to, to take a breath. But like, isn't that, doesn't that say something to say like, wow, Serb, I'm feeling so like safe and secure and like that never happens. But um, like, as I'm sure we all know, like, you know, work comes and goes and I just so happened I had work booked in at the end of March, early April, I had two contracts booked and then like that rarely happened. So I was really excited about it. And uh, one of my contracts was in Ottawa. I had a six-week the, theater gig. At the, what was it, the Gladstone. Oh. I was at the Gladstone reading. Theater. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I kid you not, two days before I was supposed to take my train is when I got the call from the director being like, look, we got to cancel the show. And I was like, what? Please don't do this. I was so excited to, to work, to act. Um, so, you know, I just, um, a lot of theater folks transitioned very quickly to zoom and like the live reads and the online thing. And I just, I wasn't connecting to it at all. Like I I get it that right now we're in a time where we have to make adjustments, but I was like, I can't sit through zoom readings. It's like, it's painful for me. (laughs) Um, So I thought, okay, well maybe I can just try some other stuff out. So, you know, I, I got back into knitting. I redecorated my room. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying writing out for the first time. So yeah. And all of these things just made me kind of realize like, yeah, I'm still like loved and worthy. And, you know, it feels, it feels really good to not always depend on my career as a sign of like social acceptance. Right. So, that yeah. that whole need to, to be enough kind of thing. I've, I've been, yes. that's been a big thing for the last year. Jim Carrey, I didn't, I don't know if you guys saw this, I, but I saw it recently. It was from his 2016 uh, Golden Globe acceptance speech. Do you guys, any of you guys see that? Yeah. Hit me with a refresh. But so he he just goes up and they introduce him as, "Hey, please welcome two-time Golden Globe award-winning actor Jim Carrey." And he goes, "Hello. I am two-time Golden Globe award-winning actor Jim <laughs> Carrey." 
And when I go to bed every night, two-time Golden Globe Award-winning actor Jim Carrey, I dream the sweetest dreams. I dream of being three-time Golden Globe Award-winning actor Jim Carrey, <laughs> because then, then I would finally be enough, and mm. I can stop oh. this horrible search. Like, yeah. So I, 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 I thought that was really. I mean, I only saw it this year, but I thought wow. it was really cool to to see that because his uh, commencement speech, or I think it was commencement at the Maharishi, whatever. He said a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, mm. That one, that one's a real popular one that you see on YouTube of his, but it was just really cool for him to kind of let people know like, Hey, if you think this is, you know, where it is and everything like that, it's still, still not enough. Like we yeah. we're constantly searching for more. I've called it like the curse of the artist mm-hmm. is everything we do. You know, like if I have a good set, you know, I, it's, it's kind of funny. I hope it doesn't make me sound arrogant, but when you see new comics coming off stage, you know, early in their career, maybe they're in their first or second year and they're coming off stage all the time going like, I did great. I killed it. And this and that. I'm like, you're never going to, you're never going to last. And not because they weren't good, but just, it's that hating what you just did. That yeah. is like the curse of the artist. Like you're not going, that was great. You're going, here's what I should have improved. I could have done this yes. better. I could have done it. that striving to always do better and outdo yourself. Yeah. I have to give other artists and, and it's like, that's how I can make them feel better when they're feeling shitty is I'm like, just know that that right there is what means you're going to keep being an artist. You're still an artist Yeah. because as soon as you go, quotes... oh, sorry. No, I was just yeah. going to say safe is dead. As soon as you feel like oh, I got it, you're done. <laughs> yeah. You're done. yeah. <laughs> sorry, please. <laughs> you're screwed. No, I just, I heard this really great quote last week and it was, it, it says competition is the thief of joy. And I just, I've been thinking about that a lot, especially like, while work has slowed down, I'm on social media all the time. And, you know, like I just see people posting stories like, I can't believe I booked this. I can't believe I booked that. I'm so excited for this opportunity. And it's like, I so badly want to be happy for these people. Mm-hmm. But like the little like, you know, competitive side of me is like, oh, I want to be working. And doing you. Yeah. yeah, you can't think of it in that way. It's just going to eat you up inside. You have to like do things that make you happy, whether it's art or other, you know, extracurricular activities. Two but quotes that hard. I like. Yeah. They go hand in hand. Two, one, of, one of them is, is comparison is the death of happiness. Mm-hmm. Because oh, as yeah. soon as you start comparing yourself to anyone else, there's always going to be like, it doesn't matter how good you do. There's always going to be someone who did it faster, who did it younger, yeah. who did it, yeah. you know, with whatever it is. It's, there's always going to be one person who, who, who did it before you. And yeah. I, I try to remind myself all that. And at the same time, the other quote I like is you don't have to be better than anybody else. You just have to be better than you were. So oh. as long as I'm only comparing myself to myself the day before, as long as I'm improving, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. I'm not being stagnant or anything like that. So stop worrying yeah. what they're doing. Yes, there's going to be opportunities and this and that. Don't worry about it. I, I My <laughs> Facebook account got hacked like two, three weeks ago. Oh, and wow. I've, uh, yeah, all brutal. Hacked and then disabled permanently. So yeah, yeah. Long story. My listeners have heard it, but the short version is I had to create a brand new Facebook account and then like bring back like the amount of industry connections and stuff like that, that were all Facebook. Like, yeah. So it's, but I, I was so like, that's not a task I want to do. So I just let it go. And Mm. it was so freeing in the last couple of weeks to just not be attached to, and we're talking just Facebook and Instagram. The Instagram account was attached. So it got axed too, mm. but it was so great to just not be like constantly looking at everybody else's demo reel. Right. Like, yeah, for me, it's yeah. what festivals. So when I see, Oh my God, happy to announce just for laughs this year. Da, 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 and I'm like, well, if you know, you got it and I didn't get a call then I know how my, my uh, yeah, showcase yeah. went or I whatever. Don't think I got it. <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. And that's at the same day you see like the five people you're friends with everybody. So it's like, all right. And here's his post. All right. I know what the lineup is now. (laughs) I almost prefer not getting a follow-up. Like I can't stand when I apply to something and then weeks later they'll put in the subject title, like your application or your submission. I'm like, what does this mean? I don't want to open this if it's a rejection letter. And then it'll be like, thank you. Due to the overwhelming amount of submissions, we couldn't <laughs> take <laughs> yours <laughs> at this time. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to hear this. Like you're just giving me, just give me out. the like, Tinder yeah. result. Just go. Nope. Right across <laughs> the email. Yeah. Just nope. I just don't want to hear back. It's fine. Like you don't need to like re-trigger like <laughs> the rejection, but I get it. They're trying to be polite. But. <laughs> like It's funny when you say about that, because we have never done a podcast before. My husband, and I like, and we didn't know. And everyone said, "Well, it's this new industry, and there's a lot of dramatic stuff." And and everyone's the first thing you should do: listen to other podcasts. And we, like mm-hmm. I said, we listened to about you know probably maybe two minutes, and I couldn't listen to any. I said Rob to do it. I said, "Well, I don't know the script is the script. I can only do." And then when we came to doing the sound, I said, "I don't know." We were horrified. We figured, well, we'll just do as best we can because otherwise we'd be too intimidated. And we're still we always went, well, it's actually in mono. The whole thing is in mono. Is we it? Yeah. And like, well, you know, but we just thought we don't know how to make sounds. Some sounds would not. And things flying around in headphones might be really bad. I don't know. I never Anyways, noticed. It sounded fantastic. So that's Thank that's you. So it's really interesting. We just decided to say, well, you know what? We're just going to make it as good as we think we want it to be and not listen to it. We're not going to say it has to compare to this or that. or And, and it turns out that worked. I'm so delighted. We are overjoyed because we are getting people saying they really liked it. And like you, Josh, you called it Podway, which I still love the term Podway. That's You've got I a trademark there. Add something that's a little cute. I've been working yeah, for Nespresso doing marketing gigs and I've been saying how Nespresso out I've been lately with all the <laughs> I'm not a big fan of puns, but... But they're popular. I was going to say, it's like the only people always say like puns are, you know, the, the lowest form of wit or whatever. I'm like, it's literally the only comedic thing that comes with like a disclaimer. You know what I mean? Like someone will accidentally say a pun. They go, no pun intended. They want to make sure that they yeah, yeah. have been completely yeah. distant. No one ever goes, oh, sorry, no humor intended. But it's like, so, yeah. sorry, no pun intended. Waiver, yeah. I don't want to be associated with that. Uh, oh my no, God. It's, no, it's great. I, I think it's been, uh, I, like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and, and no word of a lie. Like the, the level of work you guys did, and I've worked with a lot of stuff. I just purely intimidated the, the idea that like, I'm going to interview these people. I'm like, it's on me to somehow bring out even more, you know, amazing stories and stuff from you guys. I'm like, I'm going to sit here and I'll ask just the, the weird questions that come into my head. That's great. But how, now this is something actually just How long are you guys recording for? And was there like rewrites and things like that or was this like you guys banged it out in like two three days yeah no took me a long time to write and then (laughs) like i said it was a tv series and then i had to go and do something called podcastification which is basically going and finding out things that happen at like the thames flood barrier it's like well how the hell are we gonna manage to make it sound i don't know you know and so then then that took a little bit of time but some of that i was doing while we were recording i think it was three sessions of recording one was a proof of concept where we had uh, sarah and uh, mitchell and uh, matt dawson first playing sherlock who he wasn't available when we actually decided this is good enough that we should continue so I, how many days it was about two weeks i mean there, it was very intense both mitchell and sarah had to like there were days like we just do a week and like Rob arranged it all so that people would be on the same day. We'd say, okay, we're going to do all of uh, Sabine and Aiden scenes, right? From, and and kind of then have it be um, 
continuous so that you actually kind of ended with that. That way we could do it. When you do these things like TV series, you can't do them kind of consecutively or right. by. So uh, we said, no, but this way you can follow the arc. There is an arc of the character. So we do it that way. Same thing. There were about two days of just Jim and Sabine. And then there would be Jim, Sabine and Anthony. And, you know, and it would go on like that. So uh, both Sarah and Mitchell probably had to do the most intense days there were days that went on for about probably more than the union would like <laughs> so yeah good old uh good old actra yeah so. i've been able to hop on some some movies as extras and get yellow sheeted from time to time oh. which is always nice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the industry and the, 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 i've done i've done uh, auditions where afterwards i leave and then someone will tell me you know another another comic or another actor will be like oh they've already picked who they want they're just wasting union hours right now just oh. running through I, I mean this is not anything again i had no idea what i'm doing like that's you want to talk anxious and overthinking like you give me three sentences and be like here's your sides going into, i'm like i don't know what this per i don't know anything about this person what do they want to hear mm -hmm. but that's when they're like yeah if they don't give you any direction walking like okay go ahead they're like, they've already picked. They're just filling the hours for the, oh I was like, God, okay, all right. Great. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I know, I know other comics who, who've got, you know, uh, agents, or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't know to what level, but I've, I've gone with a friend, you know, he's like, I got a, I got an audition in Toronto at four and we leave Ottawa in the morning, drive there mm -hmm. for, you know, I'd mm -hmm. sit in the car to make sure that the, the parking officials don't come and give us a ticket. <laughs> so we can do a <laughs> 10 minute audition, then back to Ottawa. It's like, you hear nothing from it. Oh my God. Ew. You know, and listening to him do 475 different ways of, of reading a Harvey's commercial line that he's got or whatever. And I'm like, <sighs> yeah, I have no interest what, in doing that. <laughs> I was going to say like, part of what inspired the move for me was like, you know, when you do theater school, you have dreams of doing all these like big classic plays and stuff and working on these really unique scripts and uh, I, I uh, was submitted for a commercial for cat litter and I, I was busy during the day and it was around midnight that I got around to doing the self tape and we had some cat litter because we own a cat in my Toronto apartment and it was in my roommate's room and so she was asleep and so I had to like knock on her door at midnight. She's asleep. I'm like, hey, sorry, can I just borrow this cat litter? And she's like, what are you doing? Like, I'm trying to see you weirdo. You're that roommate. And then I know. It's okay. Like 12 30 in the morning, and I'm sniffing cat litter, being like, fresh and clean. <laughs> so I was, after the self tape, I was like, okay, like, what are we doing? Like, let's maybe reevaluate the industry a bit. <laughs> The, what I'm doing it. <laughs> oh yeah. The self tape would be the worst. Like, yeah, <laughs> I have no problem being funny with human beings face to face. Like I'll try jokes. Yeah. They don't always work, but just that, that feedback, like I can see your faces. I can see when I'm losing <laughs> you and when I've got you, but I can see that when I record my podcast, it's me talking to the wall for an right. hour and a half. And yeah. I just, when it's, yeah, when I get to the point where I'm like, I'm telling a story and I'm like, I don't care about this at all. And if I've lost interest, <laughs> I assume that the audience lost interest 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I'm like, you guys yeah, don't really lose like, audience member one. Then you are. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't That's care yeah. about this, but then I'll have people like, it's so fun. It's so weird because people will tell me that was, Oh, I was really into it. I was really interested. I was like, really? Cause mm -hmm. we, we live our own experiences, right? Like it's, it's the same with a comic telling a joke. If I've told a joke 7,000 times, I'm so not interested in that joke anymore, but you got to remember the other person they're hearing it for the first time. 
You know what I mean? The audience is hearing it for the first time. So maybe it is fascinating to them, but I just know that, that when I'm doing the podcast, it's such a different medium than, than stand up because I'm not getting that instant feedback. I'm talking to the wall and hoping that the wall is interested in what I'm saying, you know, (laughs) thought it was a funny story, but as I sit here and tell it to you, I'm totally that, that insecurity and that anxiety thing, it'll come back and I'll just go, this is garbage. garbage. Why did you think this was funny? Why did you think this was funny? Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's like when you try to tell someone a dream you had, I had this really crazy dream and it's like, I was, and then you start telling it and you see the person's eyes sort of glaze over and and you're going, and it's not making any sense. And it was really profound because you woke up and that was a crazy dream, man. And then, and then, like you're like no never mind i just solved time travel you gotta hear it yeah. all right you <laughs> yeah, were there we were and we were in a mall and you're like i'm okay. losing you right yeah okay okay. <laughs> okay yeah so yeah then can i watch the game i'm listening to your dream but i want to finish the football yeah, yeah. game is that possible yeah. can I just, <laughs> exactly i'm listening exactly. to all right uh but yeah no mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that kind of thing I, I i tell people all the time that everyone has the capacity to be funny it's it's the relatability that works like when people say like how do you guys come up with the ideas for your jokes i'm like i i don't come up with them they're just there right you recognize the same mm-hmm. with everybody everybody sees something that's funny i give them this example i say everyone says hey the funniest thing happened and then they tell you the story right and then at mm-hmm. the end they just kind of look at you and they go well, i guess you had to be there and I tell people, it's not that you had to be there. It's just that you didn't do a good enough job of explaining what you found funny in that moment. Mm. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. the job of a comic. It's not finding the funny. I go, okay, I got this idea for funny. Now, how do I let everyone understand what I found funny? That's why there's so many similes and metaphors in comedy. They'll go, hey, this happened the other day, blah, blah, blah. That's like, and then they hit you with the other thing. Ah, I get it. I see what you found funny about that now. So that's just, wow. that's the work of it. The funny is already there. That's why you guys laugh at it. If you didn't understand the funny, if we created a no, no it connects. Exactly. Mm. You're like, oh, I've had that same thought. Um, friend of mine, Dan Shackey has a great bit about how, why are gay guys allowed to touch women's breasts? You know, it's like, well, so they don't, they don't care. We're not interested in that kind of thing. He's like, what's, it's like me walking into a room, putting my hands around someone's neck. And just going, it's okay. I can do this. I'm not a murderer. I can do this. I just I'm want, not interested. Yeah, I just I'm want all doctor, the murderers yeah. in the room to be jealous. That's all. <laughs> so, but that, that's the thing, right? At first you're like, I don't get it. And then you're like, ah, I see, I see. So just, yeah. that's the job all the time. It's like, how do I explain why this is funny and not just that I'm a weirdo, you know? <laughs> or it might be a bit of both actually. Don't I, worry. I'd like to think, I'd like to think. Um, so Mitch, do you have anything? I'm just keeping an eye on the time because I know that we we have you just for another little bit, uh, Sarah. Is um, do you have anything? What do you got post COVID? Anything that you've got in the works for yourself? Um, like I said, I'm sort of on a bit of a hiatus right now, so no. the The answer is um, I'm not working on on anything. Um, there's uh, m- like my mom has a home studio, so I may try and. Uh, eventually work up the courage to start putting my voice out there a bit more again um, to do like voices.com voiceover audition stuff. Um, You have to create a profile and kind of it's, it's that self-promotion thing that, you know, it, it just, it's a killer. Like it really just, it's um, it can, it can just be so difficult to do. Um, I can't even make a MailChimp account. Like I, 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 dude, I can relate with you so much with what you're saying. Like I, yeah. I get it a hundred percent. I'm like, I got to make a mail chip so I can gather groups of people when I'm in different cities. And I'm like yeah. the, the, you can do this and you can do this and you can do this. And you're just like, I can't, is it doubt? Is it doubt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same it's total. It's total doubt. And just like, just my brain being like, ah, you're not going to get this. What's the point? You know? And, and 
like when I was living in Toronto, I set up a voices.com account and, and put a chair in a closet and then had my laptop and my microphone and, and the mic stand in the closet, which was like ridiculous. Like I would close the closet and have to be like this and have my computer on my lap and the microphone like directly in front of my face like this. (laughs) And, uh, and I'd be, and I'm figuring out how to, how to use like Ableton or one of those, you know, kind of fancier sound recording things and all just to like, just to get my voice heard. And I just, Mm -hmm. I just started to hate it. Like I was just like, this is so, I don't know. Like it, it just didn't make sense that I was putting all this effort into probably not getting a job, you know? And, and as an actor, I need as a, as a healthy human, I need that mindset of like, it doesn't matter. Just keep trying, yeah, you know? And for, for whatever reason, my brain has, has betrayed me in certain ways and I hate it, you know, but, um, but, but the goal is to, you know, get back into it and, and to try and see it as like, this is a fun thing and, and not see it as so much putting so much pressure on myself that I need the work that I, that I would, that I want the work, you know, there's a difference. Like when you want something, it's like, Oh, I want to go for that thing. But when you're doing it and you think, Oh, I need this. I need to get it. I need to get it. It's just like, you're probably not going to end up with it. Well, Mitchell, if you want me to write you a paragraph or two to record as a character, just tell me the character you want, and I will bang something out and send it to oh, just you. Oh, that'd be amazing. Because sometimes it's knowing what to say, right? And I can, I, I can have voices in my head, and I can just write down, okay, here's a guy who's a dentist who's just found out that this patient has no teeth or something, and you just kind of write that down. And, and so if you need dialogue, just hit me up. I will let you know when when that happens. Yes, that's that sounds amazing. Thank you. And and this thing, I want to let you guys know too. If if you guys are up for it, because I could do an interview with each one of you and have so much to to ask and mine and you know what I mean. Like just to for for my listeners who are going to hear this before they've heard Genius, so to hear your guys' stories and things like that, like when they get a chance to hear it, they're going to be like like blown away. I have questions. (laughs) Well, just, but even to just hear like the, the, the level of talent you guys have as much as there was times where, Oh, Sabine, like it was, dude, you crushed it. You crushed (laughs) that character. You know what I mean? So that's amazing. You played Jim Moria, the the, the notorious arch enemy of Sherlock and believable. Very, very believable. It's a little odd. He is. (laughs) Yeah, but no, but it was, but, but how do you play that? How do you play the dude who wants to fuck with Sherlock. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it was incredibly, incredibly well done. And that's why I say like, and I like when people get to hear that, like the people behind these amazing performances, something that you hear even for myself. Cause I'm, I'm to hear how well you guys did. And like I said, I'm not cowering intimidation, but I'm like, how do I show respect to your hard work with my interview? Do you know what I mean? Dude, that's, that's, asking, but, what? but that's what I mean. Asking for us to have an interview is like, oh shit, okay. Cool. No, that's no, right. like, no. wow, an interview. Cool. I get wow. super chuffed if people include the E in my name. Yeah. <laughs> like that's one Tracy that I got right. with an E. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh my God, you care. Oh my God. Yeah. Even, I have relatives that even get it wrong. But it's just, I, there's so many people and, and throughout the, the three years now that I've done my podcast and I'm so sorry, I'm watching the time we have you for another six minutes, Sarah, you're going to be next. It's uh, all good. I, 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 people hear when I talk about all this stuff and all the, the 
comics that I've had, I've had some pretty impressive guests on my show and I am not so much interested in telling me all the great things that you've done as we talk about them briefly. But I, I want the people to hear that like, Hey, it wasn't easy, you know, and it's not like, Hey, just work hard. It's just that there's, there's times where people who are, are very successful now had moments of crippling doubt. They were, they were one phone call or or one little thing different from completely just not being where they are today because it was, it, you know, you get hit with rejection. You got to have a, a, an incredible resilience, not just from the active portion, but just to, to write. There's the amount of times I've, I've spent 30 minutes trying to write a bit and go, I just, there's nothing here. Like, but again, that's that same, that's that horrible, horrible thing within us that tells us no and quit and all that is the same thing that when you do do it well and you're like, that curse of the actors, it can always be better. It can always be better. The people who are walking mm-hmm. around like, I'm the best. I got this, like, you know, that's, no, you're done. Uh-uh. You're no, done. No. You can't, you, yeah. you never learn it. This is what we see in stand up is you never learn anything from a good set, right? Mm-hmm. If it goes well, it's, it's that's true. nothing. I gotta, you know, something has to have gone wrong, something that we can build on. So just for the time being, just to grab, to grab Sarah before we, uh, we lose her is, um, what, uh, what have you got? You got anything coming up? Anything you're excited for? <laughs> anything i'm excited for well i mean i'm still just transitioning to vancouver so that's been quite a quite a shift i think for me i i really can connect to a lot of what mitch is saying right now um i think i was like you know obviously COVID has been hard for everybody but i think if anything that i'm grateful for in this time is i really have had the chance to come back to why i got started into this industry in the first place because as we all know it's it's so hard. You get so much rejection. There's so much doubt. And I think just now after months of questioning and silence, I thought, okay, like, let's, like, let's go back to the basics. Why did I get into this in the first place? And so I feel like I'm just like starting acting all over again. You know, I haven't taken a class in a long time and I'm really excited now to take a class. Whereas before I'd be like, bitter about it or like oh another class like when am I going to get booked like no just go go back and play so I mean to answer your question no I don't have any projects but I'm rediscovering why I came into this and it's it's honestly the most wonderful feeling so I'm going to just try and go with that and and see where it takes me that's awesome yeah I think that's the kind of the the COVID thing for all of the creatives right now is just all right well well we can't go out and and make it I think we're all kind Mm -hmm. of looking inward too is like so who was the person who wanted to start this and who is that person now it's it's really fascinating yeah and just reading like you know scripts that i loved back in college and like i haven't read a play in ages whereas now i've been reading a bunch of plays and i'm like oh yeah this is why i did this you know this is why i love the thing so it brings a lot of joy that's awesome Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to ask with, with Tracy as well. Um, but I'm just curious if I, if any of you guys have to go, I know that you're on a time crunch right now, Sarah, you got like two minutes before you need to go. Yeah. I want to hear what you have to say. So uh, I was just going to say if, if you two, uh, Mitch and Sarah, if you guys would be interested in doing, uh, you know, maybe a solo episode or episode together sometime when you guys have more time, I would love to dive deeper into who you guys are and, and learn more about you and share more about you with the, the audience. So if you're interested, Oh, That's cool. I'll, I'll fire you guys an email. Let me know sometime and we can, we can chat more. Um, I'm always a listener to these things where the conversation, like there's so much more and this will give my, my audience contact at one man podcast.com to send any questions mm-hmm. that they may have for you guys and, and things that they would want to know. Uh, definitely. If there's anyone who's interested and has questions, I, what, one of the most frustrating things with podcasts as opposed to theater is we, people listen 
uh, people rate and they say good things, but, but we really don't get a lot of reviews. We don't hear anything. It's just there's this body of people who seem to be genius fans who I don't know who they are. A few people have sent me money to my paypal.me thing, which astonishes me. I always figure it's a refund from something I bought on eBay or Amazon. It turns out, <laughs> no, it's actually money for me because they like the thing. And I'm just like, I, I like run around the house, but uh, you know, and that's, that's, but it's, we, we very much don't hear anything. And we spend a lot of time speculating and being a writer, I write up all sorts of backstories of, well, that person was probably in Alaska and they probably, you know, were COVID you know, you know, sheltering. So they listen to genius and I, I have no idea. So if anyone has questions, please, we'd love to know. You've been moving forward in the, uh, in the podcast app on Apple in terms of when I type in genius, there's all sorts of other podcasts with the word genius in it. And I used yes. to, have to really <laughs> scroll to get to the, the genius one. And now it's, it's, I think it's the fourth one that's, that's there. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, there are days where suddenly out of nowhere, like there's hundreds of people listening and, and, you know, and then someone will follow me on Podbean. I'm not sure even what that means, but they, I'm being followed. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess it's a good thing. And I, I'm very happy for it. And uh, one other thing is just a plug, which is that there is uh, um, the Audioverse uh, Awards are up. For, and we are, I've been nominated. Well, there's a whole bunch of nominations, but we ha- you have to nominate a certain amount of people for Genius. So if anyone is inclined, and obviously your audience Josh will not have heard the podcast, so they won't. But uh, I think I've been nominated. Probably I nominated myself. Full disclosure, you have to. It takes several months. Mo- yeah, you have to nominate you yourself. Have to. People don't, you don't don't get that. You have to, yeah. especially in Canada, you have to promote yourself. And the mm-hmm. just uh, not to take from what you're saying, Tracy, but no, just no, no, okay. adding to sort of what you know, Mitch and Sarah too, is that. You know, there's so many other people that will look at what you're doing going, oh, look at you have to promote. You have to, you know, yeah. we got to, we like, we're, it's, it's, it's terrible that we have to work so hard to get recognized just by the general public, but then to have like our colleagues and things like that kind of throwing shade as the young kids say for just trying to work yeah. hard. It makes yes. you, I I've told young comics, I go when they, when they get nominated for something like, ah, that's nothing. It's just a lot. Listen, there's plenty of people who are going to take away your accomplishments for you. Yeah. Don't, don't do it to uh, yourself. Don't do it yeah. to yourself. You know Excellent I mean? point. Yeah. yeah. So. so sorry, Tracy. I yep. Yes. The, you no. definitely got to do it. You got to, you got to be out there. That's what do you think running for president is? If not self-promotion constantly and yep. people make fun yeah. of you for campaigning for votes. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what you got to do. It's about the votes people. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it. So anyways, and it's so why if anyone has questions for anyone, you know, I'm just, th- thank you, Josh, for even allowing us to put to faces to names. What you're talking about. I don't know. It's my pleasure to have you guys on. You're so, you're also incredibly talented. The idea that you guys have the patience to, to write and then to read scripts and then try to breathe life into it. I would, I would sit there and just doubt I can do stand up because I know what I'm trying to do. And it was what, I, but the, the, the work that you guys did was absolutely phenomenal. And, and in Tracy, I would love to have you uh, again on as well. Tracy and I had like an hour and a half long phone conversation just to set this up. And we just flowed with our mutual hatred of certain vegetables and things. Tomatoes. Like that because, yeah. <laughs> they can go fuck themselves. Uh, oh God, yeah, no, <laughs> the worst. Really. It's like a midlife crisis vegetable. It's got Tracy's leather on the outside. Ears, I, know, and, <laughs> oh. I, I just, I, yeah, vegetables and I don't go back. So I, and it was nice because <laughs> I understand as someone who hates particular vegetables, how maddening it is when you specifically ask for it to not be on your pizza or in your salad and they put it in and going, thank God I don't have an allergy. I just really don't like them. Menus drive <laughs> me crazy. Cause I'll go to a nice mm. restaurant. I'll read what's on something and I go, okay. 
I like all this stuff. They bring it to me and there's all sorts of other things on top of it. I'm like, why wasn't this on the menu? I told you about the cauliflower (laughs) 2.0 that, uh, no, there's mac and cheese 2.0 that had cauliflower in it. Who the hell puts cauliflower in mac and cheese? I mean, is that, this is what we're doing with our COVID time is where we're going to launch war on these, (laughs) these new creations. No, I Mitch will eat anything. So if you think cauliflower and mac and cheese is, it's an offense, then I I think. I would try it. I hate to be that person, but I would try it. That person. Oh, I would try that person. I would totally try it. But I think that there should be, the Canadian government should be working on a, uh, you know, ingredient disclosure act on menus, (laughs) especially in the time of COVID. All right. If I'm taking my mask off, I'm not going to take it off and be disappointed with what I'm putting in my face. So, but yeah, I mean, this, this on truly an honor for me guys to be able to sit and talk with you. You're all wonderful human beings. Um, and I would love if you guys are cool with it sometime when you're free. I mean, if we're all still waiting for the, the phones to ring, it would be, it'd be great to, to sit down and chat with you again and just be able to dive a little deeper. Cause I, I'm so fascinated by, by each one of you. Oh, thank you. Thank it was, you. It was a lot of fun. That, that was yeah. great. It was lovely. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Go kill that audition. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, thank you. Yeah, my critical like, oh, whatever. No, I love it. It's oh, that it's that genuine that. thing, man. That's what people want to hear. Though, oh no, it's gonna be great. No, it's like, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, you're right. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna. What's it time. for? Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but it's oh. just something in big. I know. No, I don't mean to be like that person. Is it? Yes. Is it TV? Is it commercial? Is it play? Is it? It's, can you say that? Uh, one is? <laughs> really okay super fast no 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 wow. no no no. please don't think no gosh no it's not <laughs> it's yeah it but whatever we'll see how it goes <laughs> all right how many how many emails do we have to get before you'll tell us something yeah exactly are yeah. you playing a woman um, yes <laughs> okay yes. okay yeah. she's trying not oh, to jinx it josh leave it be leave it be. Well, i don't want the scarlett johansson thing to happen to you right you could get no, the role no, and it turns no, out no, no. that an actor <laughs> pretending to be something else is not what an actor's supposed to do i'm just yes, teasing that's no, a cliffhanger we're gonna throw a polarizing comment in at the end <laughs> good idea good idea so are we ending or are we all staying on or should we all leave with sarah i have to run but this was so lovely thank you so much no I really we'll have you yeah. again sir thank you so much for your time it was Great. amazing talking cheers to you. take care everyone <laughs> take care see you sarah good luck married <laughs> now that she's gone now- no, i'm good it was great. I'm uh, in terms of just, um, I, yeah, I don't really have any more questions. I can always chat longer. Cause again, I'm, mm. I mean, and, and dude, the amount of, of relatability Mitch, to everything that you're saying, like, I would love to just ask you questions and, and even just for people, you know, other comics who listen to stuff like that, who are going, have you, have you found any tools or anything like that in terms of sort of how to deal with the stress and whatnot? And, and, Look, I, I can get really honest and just be like, like, I can just tell you straight up that, that I've taken such a step back that, um, it, it just doesn't feel like anything has worked for me. Like even during the process of, of, uh, of genius, I was beating the, I was beating the shit out of myself. It was ridiculous. I was Maybe Tracy, you sensed it. I don't know. Oh, we all did, but but you still managed to get good stuff out. <laughs> yeah, and we kept waiting for you to say throw in the towel and say I can't do this anymore. But because it must be very hard, because Jim is such a full on engaged character, and he has his own challenges, and it must be hard to be going through your own challenges and then have to be someone else. Or maybe it's easier when you deal with someone else's problems. I don't know. It it's you know where I'm at right now. It's like I can't imagine acting. 
like, which sucks, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's not where I want to be at. I want to be at a place where, where acting is, is a beautiful, fun, wonderful, joyous thing. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a certain level of, of reality of the industry that I need to kind of contend with and just be okay with. Um, there was, uh, I mean, you know, it's all those classic things of like practice mindfulness and do breathing exercises. And, um, there's only, that only gets you so far Mm -hmm. or it only got Mm -hmm. me so far. Um, yeah, my, my mind, uh, I think I said it earlier, but like my mind betrays me often and uh, it, it wreaks havoc. So, so if there's been one thing that's worked, it's, it's just, um, (laughs) it's, it's literally fighting through it and just, you know, still going for it, which, which I was doing during these recordings. Um, I still did it, you know, and, and it sounds like it sounds so. It sounds great, and, yeah, and to know, cool. like, I got—I I can't tell you how much more like respect and admiration I have knowing that, like, you were going through that while recording it because Sherlock doesn't doesn't pretend to be one thing throughout the story and secretly another. So you've got to deal mm-hmm. with the guy who's trying to be the charmer and convince mm-hmm. everybody thing that everything's cool at the same time, and then having those mood swings right in the middle and believable. And I'm not blowing mm-hmm. smoke up your ass because, I mean, I'm not going to have you hit me with that level of honesty and then give you bullshit as a response. Thank you. So I I, I really respect that. More admiration for the fact you're going through that because I, I, I truly understand it. There's a lot of the whole, the 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 doubt and and sometimes wondering, like myself with COVID, I've, I was chatting with a, a comic earlier. I canceled a spot that I was doing this evening uh, at Absolute because I've written nothing. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to waste that spot because there'll be another comic who's actually writing, who's hungry right now. So I don't want to mm-hmm. take wow. that and waste that, that someone else could make use of right now. I, there's a part of me that knows I can't quit stand up, but I've never been closer to just sort of hanging up the towel and trying to find something else that I feel will, will give me that, that security, if you will, or just, just a routine. Cause I find with being anxious and stuff, like having to get myself going sometimes is so hard. So, you know, it's like the gym when I have a trainer, which is rare, they're not cheap. It's so funny. The last, I, I get these introductory packages, places where they're like, Hey, seven classes for 129 bucks. And then you're like, how much is it after this? $300 a day. I'm like, interesting. Right. Well, yeah, if I, I had I 300, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I want to get in shape because I want to, you know, attract someone. If I had $300 a day to burn, I'd get a prostitute and I wouldn't need all this stuff. You see? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, this is makes no sense. My math works. That's as good as my math gets. How much to train, how much to get level, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I just mean that it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's tough to just be like, what can I, is this going to be consistent? You know what I mean? But the, the routine, the reason I brought up the trainer is just to, it's, if I have an appointment to be somewhere, I can, I can be there for that, right? Like I'm with the mm-hmm. trainer on this day, but if it's like, get your ass out and go to the gym just for you, that's Can't way do. harder for I'm me. I'm with you. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. That's, yeah. that's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so odd. Somebody, I mean, I've learned a lot about codependency in the last couple of years too. And I, I'm the kind of person how, that I'll do. So? Well, I'll just, I'll do it for other people. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I remember one night after a show, I was with a uh, fellow comic and his girlfriend and he was like, he's like, I'm hungry. You want to grab a pizza or something? I'm like, sure. And he's like, yeah, I don't really feel like eating it here. I'm like, well, why don't we go back to my place? It's close by. And he's like, sure. 
And, uh, you know, said to his girlfriend, he's like, you want to do pizza? She's like, I don't really feel like pizza, you know? And I go, well, what do you feel like? She's like, I don't know, something a little healthier. I'm like, you know what? I got, I got cu- cucumbers. I got all sorts of fresh veggies I just bought in the fridge. I'd be happy to no tomatoes. make you up. Yeah, no, definitely no tomatoes. <laughs> but I'm like, I'd be happy to go up and, and cut you up. Like, you know, celery, carrots, cucumbers. I do all that stuff for, you know, get, get you a nice plate. And she's, I believe that I, that you would do that for me. She's like, but if you do that for me, you should do that for you. And she's like, that was something that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause I'm like the amount of eating garbage. Like I, I didn't feel like cooking for myself. So I'm like, that's why I go with the pizza, but mm-hmm. I would have without blinking or even concerning, I would have gone back and prepped all of that for her and then eaten the pizza for myself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Without yeah. thinking I would have done that. And when she yeah. put it to me like that, I was like, yeah, like I, I would definitely, I do more for others but it's that it's that validation right i want everyone else to be happy with me i want everyone else to like me so you know i don't well, i don't need acting. my yeah that's, well that's and that's totally, exactly it, that's what i'm that's saying it. like the, the idea of the generous actor they just give and give and give you know i i've been uh, you know i've been told that in the past i've been a generous actor um you know been being present and just like being there for your other actor and just really um just being, you know, that cliche of being in the moment or whatever. Um, and, and that's where the, that's where the, the zhuzh of acting comes <laughs> from. You see two actors who are really there for each other. They're on, yeah. you know, they're on and you're like, ah, yes, this is, this is great. You know? Um, but when you can't be there for yourself, it's like you struggle, you, yeah. you struggle. And then, it bleeds into the stage and then you can't be there for your other actor. And then you're like, Oh fuck, I'm dead in the water. Yeah. Sorry to be a downer. But- <laughs> no, 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 no. I, to me, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And like I said, I, I, uh, it, my podcast is sort of supposed to be a comedy podcast where I make fun of my week and I make everybody laugh. I, I listening to, to even actors too saying, you know, why they like acting for me. It's the stand up is to me, my stand up is the mask being funny was what gets me accepted, right? At a young mm-hmm. age. So it's like processing pain with humor or whatever. But it's like when you're making people laugh, they're accepting you, right? And then you just learn over mm-hmm. time and just be funny all the time. So when you sit down, you have a real conversation with people. They're like, oh, that you weren't funny. They, that wasn't, that was kind of a dentist. Like, well, I'm, uh, that's me, right? Like I've taken the mask off, you know? And I find that I've, I've talked to a lot of actors too, where it's like they like acting because it gives them a chance to kind of be out there and do something, but it's not themselves that they're putting on display for judgment. Right. Josh, mm-hmm. did, have you seen the Hannah Gadsby Nanette? I think it's an HBO. So she, um, it's interesting because she's very big in, in, I think, Australia and Tasmania. And she is a stand-up comic and she's quite famous, uh, you know, down under. Not yeah. that you haven't heard of her. I that, definitely know who was, Hannah Gadsby is for sure. Yeah, right, right, okay. And so she, that her whole stand-up thing actually is interesting because she's sort of, it's a, it's a very kind of moving and yet, funny as hell which is hard because it's a stand-up show um i mean it's, it's obviously a one-woman show it's at, uh, hbo or whatever and and she basically starts talking about how a lot of her humor was based because she's a lesbian about about sort of denigrating herself mm. and at one point she said all of my humor is based on putting myself down and and the whole thing is a stand-up show, and it's very funny because and but she kind of explains it all, and it's just it's brilliant because you a lot of humor can be you actually putting your fears and anxieties up for other people to mock, and you got to watch that you're not giving people a stick to beat yourself with, right? Right. 
It's a defense so, mechanism that I've mm-hmm. learned too, is that the idea is like, cause I'm an, I'm an overweight dude. And so I, my, my act is not fat jokes. I don't like to be a one trick pony. There's one or two in there to address it. If you're going to be somebody like, that's one of the things you learn in stand up is that you can't just go out on stage and start calling other people. You have to be self-aware too, because the audience, whether they want to or not, are going to sit there and think like, well, who are you to throw judgment out there? If you're Where does he self-aware? get off yeah. with that? Yeah. So when you make fun of yourself, you're kind of letting them know like, yes, I'm, I'm addressing it, but, but even pre-stand-up just outside of it is you you start to make fun of yourself right and sometimes people see it as like confidence but you sort of train them that you you make fun of now you doing it because you're like well if i call me fat before you do i take the power away from you but i'd rather just us not think about that at all in general mm-hmm. but it's but it's mm-hmm. out there so you're kind of like i'm trying to trying to take that power away from you but what you don't realize is the more you say it over and over again you start to just you're reinforcing you that internalize it yeah yeah, well, you reinforce that vi- image of yourself and you're reinforcing other people that you got that image. Like people who, you know, I got friends who are like, oh, I'm an idiot. I, I'm a dumb, stupid. I say dumb things all the time. It's like, well, stop saying, stop calling yourself stupid. We all say and do dumb things. The amount of people that, you know, wish they could take back the 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 flubbed line or the stupid thing that they said. It's like, we're we're human. You know, it's, it's, it kind of sucks now because in the, in the canceled culture time, even before the canceled culture, when everyone's just getting mad all the time, it's this, um, I was chatting with Pete Johansson, a, a great comic and one of the most well-read individuals that I know, uh, he was just saying, we need to be able to make mistakes. That's the biggest thing is that people are making mistakes now. And one mistake ends everything that you've done. You know, when you listen to people, it's just. Like you have to be able to learn. And the thing is, and I'm sure anyone with anxiety, whatever knows is the more worried you are to make a mistake, the more prone you are to make one. (laughs) Like overthinking everything. It's terrifying. And that's just one mistake and you're done. It's like, it's people need to be allowed to make mistakes, you know? And it's, I I like conversations like this because rather than just like, Hey, wasn't that great? Oh yes. We stood in the basement. We did our, our lines and everyone did fantastic. (laughs) And I said, yeah, and I was inspired by like, it's like, those things are important. But I, I like when someone hears something and goes like, wow, like, cause I guarantee you from myself, uh, I would be much more interested in hearing your performance, Mitch, knowing what you were going through with it and going like, oh shit, I really like, I want to hear it, you mm-hmm. know? And then to hear the great work that you did, like I guarantee people's minds will be blown. Cause I was really, really, really impressed with, with all of the work you guys did. Tracy, I can't even tell you the amount of times <laughs> I thought I there's no way I would have the patience to, to, I could just writing a story in and of itself, writing one scene. I'd be like, I'd be sitting there going, this is garbage. I, I can't do this. I'm, there's no way that this is going to be interesting to anybody, blah, 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 blah. But then to write an entire script and to have to do research into making sure that what you're talking about, like just, that's the, again, mir- miraculous is the word that I Well, it's funny. Like we are talking about things. I don't think I'm good at math. I am not good at math. I have no math, but there's math in this thing. And I swear to you that it at the time made sense. I don't, if you ask me now, gave me a test, I probably fail miserably. But, but again, I, and I have so internalized that I'm bad at math that when I can, and that was from like high school, right? I didn't pass grade 11 math. So, so, and here I am talking about, you know, finite time probability limitations and Feynman variables and things, you know, it's really like probability and statistics. I've never, I have no idea. And actually I understood it for parts and that, you know, and there was a part of me going, I thought I was really dumb, but some of this actually makes sense. I don't think I'm going to have a career as a mathematician, though, but, but I'm just saying that you kind of really, you start to invest in your own vision of yourself as a failure uh, and that's really hard. So, you know, and that's what's cool about doing podcasts is because we said, I said, screw it. No one's ever going to hear this. 
we'll just do it. And then it turns out that, you know, the only thing is I have a very supportive best friend, my bestie, and I always call her patient zero. And um, she was very keen. You've got to put this out. You've got to put this out. And she was kind of the fan that would make me write the next episode because what happens? You're not going to stop. So, okay, I'll write another. And, you know, oh, so you, were writing, you were writing them one episode at a time. You didn't, you didn't write the whole thing. I intended it to be a series, but I thought, well, what you do in the industry, if you're actually a writer in the industry, you would actually write maybe a pilot and maybe something. But then I, after the first episode, I thought, people won't understand exactly what this means. So I did a second episode. I said, well, no, no, not, still not going to understand it. And I, I wrote about two or three more episodes. And then I said, okay, well, you know, I'd have to leave it to another writer to figure this out. And my my friend and my husband both said, no, the hell you're not. We need to know what happens. You've set everything up. And so, you know, in fact, when I told my, uh, I gave my best friend the uh, uh, Mitchell's audition tape, because we basically said, here, read this into a microphone and act, please, Mitchell. And he went and he did it. And she was like, oh my God, this is the guy. <laughs> so, well, okay, good, because Sarah picked him too. So I think we're we're on, and you know, he, and he didn't disappoint, as you know, Josh. You've heard it. It's uh, you know, it's really good. Yeah, so really I mean, good. I mean, I, but that's the, that's the thing too. Is at times that there's the person, like I said, there's the 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 person's annoying you, but that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be bothering you. You're supposed to root against the villain at times and things like that. So the idea is that. When you're doing that, you know that person's doing a good job. As much as you're like, oh, his voice is so annoying. It's like, yeah. Well, sorry. No, that's not what I mean. I don't mean your voice is annoying, but I'm saying that at times, oh, beanie, 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 beanie. Like when he's bothering her, well, that's what's supposed to be happening. If it's working on you, it's working on the other character at the same time too. So I, no, I I was really, really impressed. There was a few, uh, I mean, I'll be honest. The Sherlock was the least, um, I I felt the least connected to, to Sherlock being the one character who I know in advance, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It's like, that's the protagonist that I'm aware of in many different ways is to, to be the least, I liked Watson better in terms of, and I don't mean the acting, the acting was, that was, I'm like, this is Sherlock. I knew, yeah. I knew it was Sherlock talking. There were times where there'd be a few people in a room whose voices were similar and I wasn't a hundred percent sure who was saying what at what time, especially when it was very yeah. quick back and forth. But, but Sherlock was phenomenal because I knew it was him every single time he was speaking, but I, I didn't love him as much. I didn't buy into his character as much as I did Moriarty and Sabine. Well, James Lloyd did come in later because we had someone before and he had to drop out. And James Lloyd, we, he's a very experienced actor and we were very thrilled to have him because he's actually probably the only person who's actually genuinely British. He's English. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah. So we were very lucky to find him. Try finding, you know, English actors. I mean, British actors in Quebec. It's not that. Right. It's, not, it's a very, very small pond. And we kind of wanted people with a theater background too, because we knew the way we wanted to do it was people in open. We wanted that back and forth of conversation. We didn't want people just reading lines and then, you know. So. I, I have such tremendous respect for what you did. So I'm, I'm, I'm treading very lightly with how I say okay. this. I'll um, take a deep breath. He sounded like the most professional sort of actor and that's what I didn't like. Ah, you like the, you like the rough edges. That's, I, that's not a, even I wouldn't even call them rough edges. It just it you guys sounded more comfortable. He sounded like the old hey, let me tell you something. Hey, I'll tell you like, like that yeah. that whole that whole it sounded like he was doing a Broadway show. I, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to run him down because the performance was great. But I'm just saying yeah, it's I'll give sounded, you your address, Josh. Please no. do. Please do. <laughs> no, no, no. Tell him, tell him to come. We'll have a conversation. Yeah. Uh yeah. no, but I, I he was fantastic. It's just I didn't 
I felt more like I was listening to one of those old radio shows when he was talking. And when, when Mitch and Sarah were on, I just, I felt like I was listening to, I don't know. I felt more genuine. I connect more with the, the, that's great. That's great feedback. That's really yeah. good. You know? And if that means anything, again, Mitch, not blowing smoke up your ass. Like I was thoroughly, I'm, thoroughly impressed. You. So, so it was great top to bottom. Like I said, his character was very identifiable, but it wasn't, it just, I didn't, I didn't love him as much. I didn't love him. It felt, I felt like I was listening to an old radio show when, when he was on, um, that sounds horrible. Cause I would hate, again, he's an actor too. I'm sure he goes through the same. I'm not trying to give him anything that would cast out on him, but uh, he, he had to do a lot because we, he came in kind of, a, he had less experience with the script than possibly everyone else. And so I, I wouldn't be, I would kind of guess that perhaps he had to sight read some of it too. Uh, and it, I, he might've been kind of feeling that, well, I'm Sherlock Holmes. So I'm going to do the Sherlock Holmes and the Sherlock Holmes is kind of the character I didn't write, even though I wrote all his dialogue. There are a few lines that I used to throw in there almost every episode. There's one line that's actually from a Sherlock I Holmes novel. I don't care novel. for it. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, and so I would throw a line in just to make sure I was on piece with the, making sure that it sounded like Sherlock Holmes. But he, so that, there was that. But, uh, and he, but he, had, he had, you know, he of anyone, if we add the lines up, um, he has the most to say. Because Sherlock kind of runs off at the mouth. Right. I so, think it's probably the so, hardest uh, character too, because he's the one that comes in with the most notoriety. Yes. He's got a, so he's got to be like, I got to pull off Sherlock. That's, that's also a lot of pressure as well. So it's like, mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. have as much Liberty with the character. So again, trying to, to give as much, yeah. you know, fairness to it. But, but in terms of listening to it, I mean, when Sherlock was on, I, I was really, let's put it this way. I was really uh, more interested in the characters that you were creating, Tracy, than the ones that were already established, if that means anything. Yeah, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, HBO, get me (laughs) while I'm cheap. (laughs) Fair. Well, I'm going to, I'll leave it at that for now because I don't want this to be the the one and only conversation that we have with you guys. Again, Genius was an amazing piece of work, but but you guys are are phenomenal human beings and and, and interesting and talented. And I would love to be able to share more with with my audience if you guys are up for that. So, Yes, thank you very much for having us on. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much. Yeah, Tracy, how are you doing for season two? I'm pretty much the last episode but, but. <laughs> oh, okay so it's where we are I, I was gonna ask that i thought i'd save it for for the trace but but so are we we got a season two coming well the thing is it's expensive to do this and the the do genius season two uh fund my tangerine account has 220 dollars in it so we're gonna have to hit a little more than that you fair know. well how, so <laughs> how can people how can people support because i i did want to put this in and i apologize that i didn't how do we how do we fund this people go listen to season one and 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 if you like it first of all the audioverse awards it, it's a great i don't think i'll we will win because we only do 13 episodes so it's not like something to put something out every month ad infinitum so but we are new and if you like it you can select actors we can select the sound edit there's one for sound i put i i nominated myself for action sound design i thought okay because you know hey i a violin that counts for something that's right? huge yeah that's <laughs> huge you know that. and also i had to pay money to get a violin and then throw it so, so i have a useless violin and once a broken violin i got one um so you can do that um there's also uh on the genius uh web page which is i think www.genius-podcast.com which is where you can also get the uh, podcast downloads um there is a worth the cast there is i think a paypal.me for me which then i promise you i have a separate account because it's tangerine lets you name accounts and it's and they must someone at tangerine must be going what so it's genius podcast season two account <laughs> so you know 
I don't know if it's a tax-free savings account, but whatever. It, I, I can. That's I think so I put funny. ten dollars a week into it. So you know, this is how we're going. But yes, writing it, it will need to be rewritten, but uh, a lot and re-edited and podcastified. But you know, and you know, we'll have to see that everyone is still interested and able. So. But I'm, yeah, I'm not the, I'm not union, so I don't think I would qualify to to do a bit part in it. But if you'd ever be interested, I'd love to have a cameo in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> Maybe you, you, can... you, you could be Jim's, you know, unknown twin brother because you've Fair. got the accent, right? I was going to say they could just they could just have a fight in a comedy club at some point, and I'd do the comic on stage behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, just flew in you... from London, and boy, are my arms tired. You right. Know? <laughs> no. so. That's awesome. And then for yourself, Mitch, is there anywhere people can can follow you or or just learn oh, about you? Not right now. Good. No, I'm going to say no. We'll save that as an exclusive when we keep do our the episode. mystique. I think that's good. There's yeah, a- not right now. The, I, yeah, I'm, I've been out the game for a bit now, so it, it'll come back. It'll happen again, and uh, you know, people will know about it. But right now. No, that's fair. I, I, dude, I dig it. I'm, I'm on board with that 100. I'm exactly the same. People like where I'm like, I don't even have a Facebook account anymore. So. <laughs> right, you got hacked. <laughs> well, yeah. I got hacked hard, man, hard. So, um, that's awesome. Why don't we, why don't we leave it for here for this time? And I'd love to have you guys again if you're interested. That would be great. Okay, okay groovy. Cool. Thanks so much. Josh. Thanks so much, Josh. Take really care. appreciate it. I, I'm My gonna pleasure. end the call. <laughs> Bye, you. Tracy. Bye. Bye, Rob.